One afternoon in December 2000, Joseph Maria Minguela and Carlos Rizach were enjoying a cold beer at Barcelona's Pompeia Tennis Club, following a match on one of its seven clay courts. Also present at the meeting, perched high on Minjuic Hill overlooking the Catalan capital, was Jorge Messi, father of a young Argentine boy who would go on to become the best footballer in the world. In what has almost become mythical, Rizach drafted a makeshift contract on a paper napkin, one that stated FC Barcelona would sign Jorge's son, Lionel. The following day, the contents of the napkin were replicated on official Barcelona letter-headed paper, a gesture sufficient enough to convince the increasingly frustrated Messi senior to nail his colors to the blograna mast. Joseph Maria Minguela's destiny as part of Barcelona's illustrious and colorful history was in little doubt from an early age. He grew up in Les Courts, the Barcelona neighborhood which not only contains the Camp Nou, Barca's home since 1957, but also its predecessor, the Camp de Les Courts. As is often the case, his father officially passed the passion for Barca down to his son, making him a member of the club when he was merely five years old. Minguela studied law and later became coach of the university football team, before answering an unexpected call. In December 1969, with Barca just four points off the bottom of La Liga, the club appointed Vic Buckingham as manager. The Englishman, who had twice managed Ajax before taking the reins at the Camp Nou, desperately needed a translator as he was unable to speak a word of Spanish. On the other end of the phone was Barcelona club secretary Hector Carrera, seeking an individual with both a knowledge of football and a sound grasp of the English language to assist the newly appointed manager. Despite Minguela's limited English, acquired after spending two summers in England, he did what every fan would do. He accepted without hesitation and planned to learn on the job. The very next day, at 9 a.m. sharp, he boldly strode into the Camp Nou dressing room and confidently introduced himself to Buckingham in English. Despite early language-related difficulties, Minguela and Buckingham struck up a strong personal bond. The club's poor performance from the first half of the season improved, with Barca rising to finish the campaign in fifth position. The progress continued the following season, with Barca ending 1970-71 in second place, narrowly losing out to eventual champions Valencia, only by virtue of an inferior head-to-head -head record. Lifting the Copa del Generalissimo the precursor to the Copa del Rey proved to be a sufficient consolation, yet Buckingham resigned at the end of the season due to health issues. Rather than signaling the end of Minguela's time in the inner sanctum, it was only the beginning. Buckingham's replacement was Dutchman Rhinus Michels, who would go on to be regarded as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Minguela's ascent continued, and he graduated from translator to first-team trainer. Barca won La Liga in 1974, the first time they had been Spain's champions for 14 years. Michels and the Catalan club parted company in 1975, and Minguela also sought pastors new, heading to Alicante for a year to become club secretary of Hercules EF. Minguela credits the four years under Michels, as well as the sojourn in Alicante, with teaching him all he needed to know about football. In essence, it was an apprenticeship in which he learned skills both on and off the pitch, from training players to arranging their contracts. Rather than returning to Barca or becoming a fully-fledged coach or secretary elsewhere, Minguela decided to become an agent, although ironically the profession was under a FIFA ban, deemed detrimental to the sport. This failed to deter him, and Minguela traveled extensively in his new role, primarily focusing on Latin America, determined to uncover the next big star of world football. In 1978, despite no previous connection with the club, Josep Luis Nunes ran for the prestigious position of Barcelona president. Minguela established himself firmly within Nunez's influential team of 10, and claims he was instrumental in bringing Rizach on board. The endorsement of a popular Catalan player who was coming to the end of his career was vital in swaying the vote in Nunez's favor, enabling him to narrowly win the keenly fought election. 
Although far from being universally popular with the club's fans, the Nunez regime lasted 22 years, the longest presidency in Barca's history, gleaning 30 trophies and turning the club into the behemoth that it is today. During the Nunez era the membership grew by more than a third, leading to the expansion of the Camp Nou and subsequent renovations. Minguela was convinced that the stadium could only be expanded and filled with fans by attracting big foreign stars to captivate the audience. One of the first earmarked to carry this burden was a teenage Diego Maradona, who was plying his trade for Argentinos juniors at the time. Between 1976 and 1983, Argentina was ruled by a brutal military dictatorship that wasn't about to let go of their prized asset cheaply or without a fight. Minguela flew to Buenos Aires to negotiate Maradona's transfer with Navy Admiral Carlos Lacast, who was based at ESMA, the regime's most notorious concentration camp, where thousands of dissidents were tortured and later murdered. Minguela was shielded from or chose to conveniently ignore the human rights atrocities that were occurring right under his nose, whilst he discussed lucrative deals over fine red wine and steak. With the regime preferring Maradona to remain on home soil, at least until after the World Cup in 1982, Minguela brokered a deal in February 1981 that took El Diego from Argentinos Juniors to Boca Juniors on loan. The move cost Las Enias more than $5 million, and Minguela ensured that the player remained firmly on his radar. Towards the end of the loan agreement, Barca stepped up their interest in reviving the Maradona deal, taking advantage of Argentina's perilous economic situation which, along with the abject failure of the Falklands War, would contribute to the fall of the military dictatorship within a year. The peso had lost 30% of its value against the dollar, making the deal much more appealing to Barca's previously skeptical moneymen. The $7.6 million deal that took Maradona to Catalonia in 1982 was shrouded in deceit, with numerous shady parties making a lot of money. Minguela later claimed that his personal remuneration wasn't particularly impressive, but instead that the move enhanced his reputation a deal-maker extraordinaire. Curiously, despite his prominence in the early deals of his career, Maradona neglected to dedicate a single word to Minguela in his 2004 autobiography, El Diego. Throughout the rest of the lengthy Nunez reign, Minguela played a key role in numerous signings that would prove vital to coach Johan Cruyff's dream team. Minguela was involved in the acquisitions of Guillermo Amor, Miguel Angel Natal and diminutive Brazilian forward Romero, to name but a few, and in 1984, he almost lured Mexican forward Hugo Sanchez to the Camp Nou, only to be rebuffed by a stubborn Terry Venables. A year later, with the new Barca boss preferring Steve Archibald, Sanchez crossed the Madrid divide and became a hugely popular figure at the Santiago Bernabeu. Mirroring his trips to Buenos Aires a decade earlier, in 1990, Minguela was once again brokering deals with military personnel. Fiery genius Risto Stoichkov joined Barca from CSKA Sofia, who were run by the military on behalf of the Bulgarian Communist Party for $3 million. Minguela earned a good commission from this deal and in the process helped secure Stoichkov a pair eyes that would have been unthinkable in his home nation. Many doubted the wisdom of the transfer due to the Bulgarian's explosive temper, yet Minguela was convinced that he was right for Barca, and he would go on to prove himself as hugely successful in Barcelona, one of the final pieces in Cruyff's jigsaw. Lionel Messi first appeared on Minguela's radar when he was just 12 years old, his mesmerizing gift belying his tiny stature. Those in the corridors of power at the Camp Nou had doubts over Messi after being stung by several Argentines including Maradona, Javier Saviola and Juan Roman Riquelm. Maradona was deemed more trouble than he was worth during his two turbulent years at the club, and the latter duo failed to live up to the build expectations. Because of this skepticism, Minguela paid for the airfare between Argentina and the Catalan capital for Jorge and Lionel Messi out of his own pocket, housing the pair in a hotel on the city's Placa de España. 
as in 1978, Minguella called on old friend Carls Rizach, who once again proved to be pivotal. Rizach, at the time a football advisor at the club, arranged a friendly match so he could run the rule over this diminutive Argentine who had so captivated Minguella. Rizach was equally stunned, agreeing with Minguella that the move had to happen. The meeting at the tennis club was then arranged in an attempt to shore up the deal, and it was here that the famous napkin was signed. The napkin was then copied onto letter-headed paper and signed by Joan Laqueva, another crucial player in the emergence of Messi. Laqueva was the director general of the club and later paid for some of Messi's growth hormone treatment out of his own pocket. It's incredible to think that, for many reasons, the blissful marriage of Lionel Messi and Barcelona may never have happened. At the time of Messi's initial signing, the first reign of Louis van Gaal was coming to an end, with the club eventually failing to retain the La Liga crown won so emphatically the year before. Short-sighted directors, more concerned with the next result than the club's long-term future, were not keen to sign a player who could potentially take years to develop, especially given his highly publicized physical issues. If it wasn't for the persistence of Minguela, the deal may never have happened. Three decades after he tentatively stepped foot in the Camp Nou as an underqualified translator, Minguela attempted to ascend to the pinnacle of the Barcelona hierarchy by running for president in the 2003 elections. Unlike in 1978 when he was a vital cog in Joseph Luis Nunez's successful campaign, Minguela's flattered to deceive. He garnered less than 5% of the vote, finishing fifth in the pecking order. The elections were won by Joan Laporta, who trounced the opposition in amassing just under 53% of the vote. Laporta's spell in charge was hugely fruitful, firstly under Frank Ridgecard and later Pep Guardiola, with Messi a leading light in the latter's stunning team. Minguela's contribution to Barcelona, a club he grew up adoring, cannot be understated. He has fulfilled the role of fan, translator, coach, advisor to the president and agent, and even attempted to become the president himself in 2003. He has seen some huge names come and go on the pitch, in the dugout, and in the boardroom, and he has been present for some of the key moments in the illustrious history of a club that is huge in all four corners of the world. Perhaps his most notable achievement is in his role as the agent responsible for bringing Lionel Messi not only to Barcelona, but to football fans all over the world. After all, who knows what may have happened had he not joined the Catalans. Although agents are not universally popular, and their influence on the game will be forever debated, they are clearly here to stay in modern football. The story of Joseph Maria Minguela is a perfect example of how they can shape the future of the beautiful game. Remember to follow Golia by hitting the follow button and slapping a five-star review on the show or tapping the love icon. Let's get to 1 million followers and tune in daily for new episodes.